We've been working on a series here in Dwelling Place, kind of a mini-series on identity and destiny. And I want to run us through this morning uh, quickly uh, through, yeah, I guess just the next um, next chapter, uh, so to speak, in that series. You're going to be hearing the next couple of weeks from Mitch Simonis, who will be here, and, and we've been kind of working together. Actually, we have a bit of a an opportunity the last several weeks to work together and walk together in this, this mini-series that we've been doing together. And Karen and I actually leave tomorrow. Uh, yeah, we fly out tomorrow from Roanoke to uh, South Africa, and we'll be there for a few weeks. And uh, But I like what someone said this week. I was in the mall, and I ran into someone that goes to church here that, honestly, I did not know before our uh, interaction. And I had an opportunity to chat with this young man for a minute, and, and, I, and he said, well, I guess I'll see you Sunday. And I said, you will Sunday, but I'll leave on Monday, so be sure you come by. I'd like to say hi. And he said, where are you going? And I told him, and I said, yeah, we're going to be gone for a few weeks. And I said, but it'll be cool. I mean, there, Mitch is going to be in here. Rick will be coming in for a set, and it's going to be awesome. And he said, oh, yeah, you guys, one thing I love about you there is that you have a seamless team. And I believe that that's true. It's going to be good, and it's going to be God. And uh, it's been fun walking and working together. And I may get to come in, and we'll just see where God goes with this. I may get to come in with one last word on identity and destiny. Our basic premise has been that we recognize, or as we recognize our identity, we are able to or begin to walk in our destiny. That's kind of what we've been working off of, is that reality. Uh, We defined identity in the biblical context as whom we were meant and made to be, who God decided we are, and that our destiny, okay, so who we're meant and made to be is our identity. Our destiny is then the lives based on our identity that we're meant to live. When we understand, for instance, that we're children of God, when we understand that that's our identity, then we live lives as sons and daughters and not slaves. We need to understand who we are. When we understand that our identity as followers, Jesus said, "Be you come follow me, be my disciples. And we know the word disciple means followers. So we know that if we're a follower of Christ, if that's our identity, then our destiny is to follow. Someone said this, that the most important thing you need to know at your job is who your boss is. A lot of truth to that. If you don't, you know, I don't know, I'm not real clear on my job description. Do you know who your boss is? Yep, then you're fine. Because you can come to work every day and say, okay, help me, I want to make sure I'm productive today. Now, in God's kingdom, we're not so much talking about productivity, though that's important. John 15 says so. Bearing fruit is the heart of the Father for us. However, that's really not the point of what I'm trying to say in this moment. What I am communicating to you is this, though, that if we know the identifier... Right then we can know our identity. That is to say that we can actually only truly know who we are. I say this all the time. Some of you can almost quote me now, I hope. But we can only know who we are when we know whose we are. And as we know Him and we know we're His, then we know who we were meant and made to be. That's our identity. In fact, our identity can only fully be known when we walk in relationship with Him. We were talking a lot this morning. The Lord was sharing a lot of words about water. We were seeing a lot. There was, there was a lot of metaphor in that about going deeper. Just a little FYI. There's a whole lot of folks, again, consistent wrong quote, learning the power of redundancy helps us remember better. But you can know the formula for water is H2O and never get wet. You could know, quote, unquote, your identity. 
but you'll never live that identity. You won't really know it if you don't walk in relationship with Him. The only way to fully know who you are is to walk in relationship with Him. And further, I'll give you another pragmatic step to living your destiny. Not only is it necessary to walk in relationship with Him to understand your identity, but it is necessary to walk in relationship to His purposes and His plans to live out your destiny. As that revelation comes in relationship with Him, you begin to see the nature and character of God, and you begin to see His purposes and priorities, and you embrace that as people of God. We talked about that last week. For we are His people. People of God. That's who we come from. That's where we work from. we got a Jesus bubble. It's in Him we live and move and have our being. And when we live in that place, we know who we are and we live the lives that were meant for us. But only in relationship with Him. Not because we know it, but because we know Him. And in knowing Him, we know it. There's a lot that could be said about this destiny concept. Uh, I won't be able to touch all of it in the time that we have here. But declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things that... Not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. Purposes. That's what the word of the Lord came to Isaiah to say. He knows that. Or I like what he said to Jeremiah that Jeremiah wrote down for us when he said this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That wasn't just a word for Jeremiah, that was a word for you. And that was a word for me. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I had set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. But here maybe is the most powerful word about identity and destiny in this. Psalms 139, 13 through 16. This, there's a lot of worship songs based on this passage of Scripture. There's a reason for that because it's really good. David, it's a psalm of David. It was a song, FYI. is a song. This is what it says. For you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb, and I will give thanks to you. I like that. That's a declaration. You formed me. You made me. I will give thanks to you. That's who I'll be thankful to. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Not trash talk. Remember last week we talked about when you're facing down the devil, trash talk don't work. He talks a lot of smack, but we talk. We don't talk trash. We talk truth. Man, you look at this psalm. That's what David was doing. The devil had been loading up on him, and he said, look, pay attention. i got something to say. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. I pray this morning, I prayed before I came to church this morning, that before you left, you would know this very well. Not again here, but here that you would know it. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. I feel like there's a lot of that in me. Reminds me of the children's song, He's Still Working on Me. There's a lot of unformed substance yet in me. But check this out. And in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Wow. Yeah. So when people say, God's got a plan for your life, we say that almost in a colloquial sort of way. It's true. Paul gives us our specific identifier for this week in Romans chapter 8 and verse 37 when he says this. He said that we are, and I'll, I'll back up and give you the context of this passage, but I just want to get it out to you in this moment. But he said this, he said, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
We've been picking out different identifiers. I said to someone, it's kind of like, you know when you decide to buy a car or something, and you like think it, you've never seen that car, but then you buy it, and every, you stop at every traffic light, and hey, <laughs> I got the car too. I mean, you see it everywhere. When you start thinking about it, you seem to see it everywhere. I have to tell you, in looking at, at and for these specific identifiers, I've been seeing them all over the place in the Bible. But I have to tell you that the reason that this passage of Scripture caught my attention this week really was because of a conversation that Karen and I, my wife Karen and I, had on Monday. And Karen reads much faster than I do. And so she's a source of much information and inspiration for me. And I plot along through books, and I'm consistently studying. I don't just study, obviously, to prep to preach, but a lot of just, you know, I enjoy my quiet time, honestly. And this was what that was because it was really a response in my own heart to something that she had said because she was sharing with me a story about a lady. She had been reading a book called Living Under the Shelter of God's Promises by Sheila Walsh. And in the book, she tells a story out of another book that a lady had written who who was a medical missionary in the Iberian Peninsula. Tough place to be a, a Christian missionary. And, and, of course, legally, she wasn't allowed to be there as a missionary. She was there as, a, as, as someone who was loving people with her medical training. But in that, she and a group of other young ladies that lived in a particular apartment were all taken captive. They were kidnapped. And for six months, they were brutally abused in this story, brutally abused. And this lady's story and testimony was that in the middle of that, every day being brutally abused by these men who did unspeakable things to them, That every day in that, the thing that kept her going, that gave her hope, that sustained her, was a knowledge of the presence of God. Now, I submit to you that often the response would be to say, why has God abandoned me? Where is God in this? But in her story, she found faith and favor in the knowledge of the presence of God to the degree that she was able to encourage the other people who were walking through her situation. But I have to tell you, I was deeply troubled. I don't know, one of the things that's kind of ingrained in me is I'm a little bit of a problem solver and a wannabe would-be rescuer. And I, I just, when I hear about that kind of injustice, it frustrates me. I feel indignant. Like it's hard for me sometimes to actually cope with the depth of the truth of God's Word. I'm thinking, how can that happen? And I know it's not God. I know it's not the hand of God. I know it's not the fingerprint of God. But it frustrates me that, that those kinds of bad things, as Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, happen to good people. They're trying to do a good thing. And so I was troubled, and I went back. You know, some people have comfort food. Man, I have a comfort chapter. Romans 8. <laughs> Y'all know how I feel about Romans 8. Man, I ran to Romans 8. Because it is Romans 8 that says some of the most unbelievable things. It is Romans 8 that we sang earlier in a song that says, If God be for us, who can... Our God is greater, our God is stronger. I like it. But it is also Romans 8 that says we are more than conquerors. And so I was just asking God, God, what does that even mean? How can that be true? And to understand that, you have to read the fullness of this passage, starting in my favorite portion of it. But sometimes the most challenging to deal with, Romans 8, 28, which says this. You have to listen fast today. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined, talk about destiny, to be conformed. What did He destine us to be? Conformed to the image of His Son. That He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Talk about an invitation to the family of God. Look at that right there. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He justified. And those He justified, He glorified. Ooh, 
He had thoughts and opinions about us that he wanted to come true, our identity and our destiny. And he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how can these things be true? Because Jesus already did this too. When he says, I won't allow more to come on to you than you're able to bear, and Corinthians through the Apostle Paul, he knows what he's saying when he says it. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Again, truth talking, not trash talking, truth talking. Christ Jesus died. More than that, he was raised to life. And he's at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. That sustains us. That awareness, that reality. If you will believe that today, you can be more than a conqueror. Check it out. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's a legitimate question. When you see those sorts of horrendous things happening in this world, and they're going on today, that's a legit question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, famine or nakedness, danger or sword? As it is written, troubling passage, right? For your sake we face death all day long and are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. You think I don't want to edit that out? I want to just, I got, you know, a, a copy and cut and delete. I want to leave it out, but I can't because it's the truth and it's in there. But here's what he says. Can those things separate us? No. Say no. No. Wow. Good job. <laughs> in all things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. One translation says overwhelmingly conquers. I, I like more than. Through him. Look at the last part though. God forbid that I should cut that verse off. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I really could go home right now. I'm going to keep talking. Sorry. But I mean we could leave on that. Through him who loved us. I mean, if you don't get anything else, get that. That is the main thing right there. That That's how and why we conquer, because He loves us. We are called to conquering. But here's the reality. Though we are called to conquering, we often take on, right, the spirit of a victim or a victim mentality. In fact, we could say this, that our culture embraces a victim mentality. You can pay people big money. To have a victim mentality spoken over you. Now, am I saying that no one's victimized? No. In fact, I'm frustrated that folks are victimized. I think we should all be bothered by that. One of the reasons we'll load ourselves onto an airplane tomorrow, one of the reasons that people have come on board with us to help make that happen is because... And it was, it was precious this morning. I got up and Karen had a baby doll with baby clothes and she's getting ready to take to Zambia. Just the look on her face. If just one little part will help somebody. It was just, it was special. But it's way more than that. No, I'm not saying that no one's victimized. In fact, in, again, many cases, unthinkably, unconscionably victimized. But just because we're victimized doesn't mean we have to accept the identity and destiny of a victim. Do you hear me today? Paul said we are more than conquerors. That's what we were destined to be. Jesus said it this way in John 16, 31 through 33. He said, do you now believe? Jesus said, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. 
you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone. This is true for us too. Okay? For my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In spite of the fact that you'll face trouble, in spite of the fact that you will often be victimized or treated poorly, or maybe even at times you will be the one who victimizes someone, he's saying to you, I've told you these things so that in the middle of all of that you can have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Quoted every week, I think. But be of good cheer, I have conquered or overcome. Those words in this passage and in the passage in Romans 8 are literally synonymous. Overcome the world. Romans 8, 37 again. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So let us consider some characteristics of conquerors. I'm only going to give you three. I'm going to synopsize and give you three, but I would dare you to dig deep because there are more. But I do believe these are kind of the, these are the top three. Number one, characteristics of a conqueror steadfast in Him. FYI, all these have to do with in Him. If you just get the in Him part, I'll be okay with that. Through Him who loved us. Steadfast. How are we in Him? We are steadfast in Him. 2 Corinthians 6, 4. Lots of Scripture. Conquers continue. But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, even in afflictions and hardships and distresses, we continue. Or Colossians 1, 15. I'm going to skip forward. That, let me just say 1, 15. Or, sorry, 15 through 20. Essentially, Paul's laying this incredible... Uh, foundation for why we can be stable and steadfast in Him. It's one incredible resume. All things were made by Him and for Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He was before all things. He's the firstborn. He has preeminence over everything. Skipping forward then to verse 21 where he says this, And you who were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. I said it earlier. I don't know how to say it. We won a sweepstakes that we didn't enter. We won a lottery, we didn't buy a ticket. But it's those are so weak. Honestly, I feel sad for using those words. It doesn't even describe it. We were alienated and even hostile in mind, doing evil deeds against Him. And yet He reconciled us in His own body and flesh by His death in order to present us holy and blameless and above reproach. Okay? Doing evil deeds, hostile in mind, Above reproach, before Him. Are you paying attention? Just say, wow. I don't know what else. Wow. If indeed, uh uh-oh, there's that big little word we talk about a lot here in Dwelling Place. There is an if. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. He's saying as long as you don't decide not to hope in the gospel, which you heard and has been proclaimed to you in all creation under earth, heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. I said it during worship, but there are people today who are on death row because they won't recant their faith. You want to be more than a conqueror, there are days just when you have to be steadfast. You have to be someone who believes in eternity and believes that God does healings on both sides of it. And FYI, He does healings on this side, and that's His preference. Still believing to be healed. If anybody don't know how I feel about that, I believe as long as we're alive, it's God's plan for us to be healthy. Just in case you were curious. I don't understand all of it. I know Ron Black shared a testimony with me before church that will definitely be shared in this context when there's a bit more time of a man named Buddy who three weeks ago showed up at his workplace who was dying of pancreatic cancer, bent over with a cane and an IV. Came in this Friday, didn't recognize him. Came looking for Ron, standing erect, 
Over six foot tall. Who's the tall guy that wanted to see me? It's Buddy. He came to say, I've been healed. He showed up, Ron said, you know you can be healed. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I do. I believe God wants to heal you now. And he did. Okay? I just pray you'll continue to pray for one another and for me. I need healing this day. I do not feel like I've been abandoned by God on any level. I'm going to continue to press forward, steadfast in the faith. But I do know this too, that there are days and there are those that today will have to stand firm in the faith knowing that that will cost them their lives, but only on this side. Cost Jesus his life. (coughs) He's doing very well, thank you. Martin Luther was put on that spot one day. He stood before the council and he said this, I cannot, they said, recant or or die. And he said this, I cannot and I will not recant anything. For to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. I like that, nor safe. Here I stand, I can do no other. So God help me. Paul said in Colossians 2, 6 through 8, Therefore, sorry, I got distracted with that word. Anytime the Bible says therefore, pay attention. There's three therefore passages I want to share with you. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established. Lord, establish us in the faith. For therefore, my beloved brethren, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil, the word toil means it could be difficult, That's why we're more than conquerors. There's something to conquer, right? Your toil is not in vain. People who conquer, who are more than conquerors, who live out that destiny, have to be established and steadfast. And then lastly, in that Ephesians 6.13, Therefore put on the full armor of God. There's a good idea. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to do to stand, stand. Therefore. Number two, characteristic of conquerors, steadfast in Him, put faith in Him. Where's our faith? Is our faith in our faith? Do we try that sometimes? Do we try to have faith in our faith? Man, I've got to have enough faith. I've got to get more faith. I gotta, and, and I'm not saying to not pray for more faith, but what I am saying to you is that no matter how much faith I have, my faith will never be in my faith. My faith is in Him. Take the faith you have and put it in a great big God. He activates it. You know, you have this little chemical that's completely, what would be the word? It, it's, it's like a neutral, but then you drop something in it and boof. Yeah, God's that. I never called God boof before. Not sure how I feel about that. Maybe I should have said boom. That sounds better. He's that reactant agent. He's the one that makes faith work. Not faith doesn't make him work. He makes faith work. Isaiah 26.3, the steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because He trusts in you. Faith in Him. We often overlook the need and necessity of putting our faith in Him. We try to be people of faith, but we forget about the in Him believing in God. Who is He that overcomes the world? 1 John 5, 4 and 5. Start with verse 4 actually. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Overcome. That's where we go, man. We just run to Jesus. 
I said it earlier when we are talking about identity. It's when you live in relationship with Him that you know your identity and you live out your destiny. Sometimes, though, we, you know, we, when I was in the military, I'm going to pull up a boot camp story. Back in the day when I was in the military, literally in boot camp, there was a particular range that we were on where literally it was about 500 yards long and we had live ammunition in our M16s and as we would fire the live M16 round, it would set off, the percussion from that live round would set off a laser beam at the end of the box. Some of you guys know about Miles equipment. You've used it in the military. And there was a target at the end of this range. There was literally a target in a bunker. And as long as you shot that target with an M16 round, a legit M16 round, the, there was a laser, basically a laser-guided weapon in that bunker, and it would light you up if it was, but if you shot the target, it would go down. It was just literally computer-generated, and it would go down. And, but otherwise, it was tracking. There was a beacon that we wore, and it would track on us. And so one guy, the whole thing was to learn to cover one another. And so one guy would shoot the target while the other guy moved. And then you would get in position, you would say, ready! And he would say, moving, and then you would start shooting that target. And as long as you shot the target, he didn't get lit up. And each of us, my battle buddy and I, is a guy from Gary, Indiana, who was just bowed up. He was like a black version of G.I. Joe. But actually, he was a city boy, and he was afraid of ticks. So we were battle buddies the entire time we were in boot camp. became very good friends. His name was Andre, but we got all the way... Uh, or I'm sorry, they gave us two 20-round clips of ammunition, one in our ammo pouch and one in the weapon. And we got about halfway through the range. It's going really well, not, not any real activity there in terms of getting lit up. But then all of a sudden, I get in a position and cover him, and then he comes up and he says, ready, and I say moving. And then as I start to move, I hear him start to fire. But here's how he's fired. Bang, 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 bang. I don't mean his weapon. I mean his mouth. Literally. That's not helping me. Okay, this has no impact on that target. Just FYI. Man, I'm getting lit up. If it gets within a certain distance of the sensor, it, it just goes... Dee, 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 dee. If it hits it, it goes... Dee. So at this point, I'm subterranean. In order to survive, I'm crawling under logs and rocks, and I'm, I can't really run. I just got to try to crawl. And then I would cover him for a minute, and I'm literally, absolutely seriously, I busted my elbows. I mean, I'm a, I'm a wreck. But somehow we get to the end, we toss our grenades, we survive this thing. We're walking back, and the cadre, the drill sergeant for that range, is laughing his face off. Puts his arm around me. This never happened before. Good job, Bernard. He's having fun with that. Then he looks at Andre, and he says, Son, what happened to you? What was that bang, bang? I mean, he's just <laughs> laughing. What was that? And Andre says, Drill sergeant, I ran out of ammunition, drill sergeant. And the drill sergeant looks at him, pulls open his ammo pouch, and pulls out his second, fully loaded, 20-round clip that he simply forgot he had. Huh? Conquers the people who put their faith in him, and don't forget to do that. We walk up to the devil, we're like, bang, bang. Yeah, that's going to work. All right? I can do all things through Christ. Don't forget the through Christ part, okay? Fully loaded and ready to go. Faith in Him. Faith in the power of prayer. It means believing that when you pray, it matters. When's the last time we prayed a believing prayer? First Kings 
chapter 8, verses 44 and 45. If your people go out to battle against their enemy, by whatever way you shall send them, and they pray to the Lord toward that city, and that you have chosen, and that house that I have built for your name, then hear heaven, hear in heaven their prayer and their plea, and maintain their cause. And he does. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust us on him, and he will bring it to pass. Or Jesus in Mark 9, 28 through 29 the disciples were in a ministry scenario. They had been released. There was a man whose son was full of a demon. And they Jesus was doing some ministry here. So the disciples stepped up to cast out the demon. But it didn't go. And then in a brief follow-up to that, the man there was this huge debate that Jesus walked in on. Why was it not getting cast out? Well, it's his lack of faith. Or it's the kid's history. Or something, something, something. Jesus walks up and says, you wanted the demon cast out? And the man said, yes. And he said, do you believe? And he said, I do, but help my unbelief. Which I love his honesty in that. And then the demon was cast out. And then the scripture picks up the story. And when he entered the house, he being Jesus, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. You think, well, I don't pray that good. I don't pray those high and mighty prayers, you know, like a jet. I don't fly high. I'm more like a crop duster, right? Low and slow. And I cover the same ground over and over. I don't don't pray good. Just pray. Just pray. And in fact, the most critical element may well be and is, in fact, to pray in faith. Just pray in faith. Just believe He is who He says He is. Who is He that overcomes? He who believes. And put faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. Load up. When you walk into those circumstances and situations, surrender yourself to Him and He will fight for you. But after you receive power, the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Acts 1.8 Even Jesus, the Scripture tells us in Acts 10.38, was Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit and He went out doing good and healing and casting out demons and confronting the power of the devil. And number three, and lastly, as B.J. comes. Characteristics of conquerors. Steadfast in Him. In Him, critical. Faith in Him. And lastly, and these are so similar, but hope in Him. What do you mean by that, Ron? Well, I mean this, that instead of eyes on me, it's eyes on Him. Where does my help come from? Around here we call that Eyes on us, we call that the grasshopper syndrome. Remember that? If I were to poll the crowd this morning and ask you this question, how many Joshuas are there in the crowd today? How many people named Joshua? Raise your hand if you named Joshua. Got several Joshuas today. We got any Caleb's? Got some Caleb's in the crowd? I saw a canounce back there. There's a couple of Caleb's. We had some Joshuas in the first service too. How many other ten spies? How many people, your name is other ten spies? Any? you raise your hand, I'm going to review. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> You're a stinker. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody names their kids after the other ten spies. Not that I think Joshua and Caleb's motivation was to have anyone named after them. Grasshopper syndrome. The other ten spies, they said, look, we're grasshoppers in our own eyes compared to those people 40 more years of wandering in the wilderness. Our hope is in Him. Check out the contrast between Romans 7 
and Romans 8. Romans 7. Romans 7. I don't have time to read it. You should check it out. It's good. It's necessary. Paul intentionally contrasts Romans 7 and Romans 8. Romans 7, I mean, you could say of Romans 7 that it's kind of, it's a chapter about gloom. It's where Paul was saying, look, I try to do good, I try to do right, but I fail miserably at it. My flesh does this, my flesh does that. I want to do good, but I don't. Very gloomy, but you look at chapter 8, you see glory. Or, or, in, or in chapter 7, you see condemnations, full of condemnation. This is what happens because I can't succeed. But in chapter 8, you see in chapter 7, condemnation. And, and in chapter 8, you see emancipation. In fact, chapter 8 starts with, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You look at chapter 7, it's heavy. It's kind of like a funeral march. It's a dirge. You look at chapter 8, it's a wedding march. Can I get a witness? You look at chapter 7 and it's all about what I can or I can't do. You look at chapter 8, it's all about what He has already done. Conquerors are people who put their hope in Him. You look at chapter 7, the Apostle Paul uses the personal pronoun I. You ready for this? 41 times! 41! He does not mention the Holy Spirit once. He doesn't mention the Spirit of God one time. Shift to chapter 8. He uses the word I twice. And both in an incredibly positive way. When he says, I reckon that the sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared. And I am convinced or persuaded that neither death nor life nor anything else can separate us. But he mentions the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God 19 times. More than conquerors. went so far as to say in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3 that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word today, God, that we are meant and made to be conquerors, that we don't have to embrace a victim mentality in this house. Though we face hardships and challenges without question, legit and real, but that what's even more legit and real is the faith and favor that we have with our Father. And that if you are for us, nothing or no one can stand against us. Pray today you lift the hearts of the people. Church, this morning during worship, I heard this. I saved it for this moment. But I heard God say this. You believe I'm worthy? God ever give you like a pretty stiff challenge with a smile? I got that today. He said, do you mean that? Because I was singing my face off today. And I was singing, it's worthy, worthy, worthy. And I felt the Lord say to me, and I could see his face when he said it. He said this, he said, if you really believe I'm worthy, then hand it over. Hand it over. Your heart. Hand it over. Conquerors are people who are in Him.
steadfast. Faith in and hope in. Where are you living, church? God, I pray today as we go our way. Mm. We'll live in that destiny. We'll live in that destiny. Can I get some church leaders to come up? I'm going to release this crowd, but I'm going to still ask if anyone would want to come and pray. So if I could get some ministry team leaders or if I could get some um, some folks to just be here to pray with folks when they come, that would be great. We had an incredible time in worship today. Pushed us a bit deep. I appreciate your patience. If you brought kids to church, please don't forget to go pick them up. Children's ministry workers really love it when parents come back and get their kids. So do that soon for them. Or if you need to come pray, just send someone to get those kids for you. But I'm going to ask you this just before I let you go. If you're here today and you just say this, that first of all, could you bow your heads with me? If you're in the house of the Lord today and you need to give your heart to Him for the first time. Now there will be a a follow-up to this, but if you're here today and you just say, I've never given my life to Christ. I'm not a, I, I was destined to be a follower of Christ, but I have not walked into that destiny. If you're here today and you're not walking with Jesus, you've not given your life to Christ, Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, as we would say. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? I'm going to be looking to the right and the left. I just want to make sure, is there one this morning? Is there one this morning? You'd say, today's my day to give my life to Christ. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and leave it until I say I saw it? Almost every week, someone comes to Jesus here in the dwelling place, and I'm thankful for that. If you're here today and that's you, just slip your hand up really quickly. And then let me ask you this. Do you just say this today? I've been in a fight. And to be honest, it's been hard not to take on the victim mentality. But today my determination is to be more than a conqueror. Would you pray with me that that would be so? If that's you, just simplistically, would you slip up your hand? I've been in a fight. Amen. I see that. Others, lots of hands. Anyone else? Yeah, there's... uh, Yeah, I can't count that high. I'm going to need some more... Ted, if I could get you to come, and I need some more ministry leader guys to come, please. I could use a few more ladies, too, because I'm going to open it up. I'm going to pray over you right where you are, so you're not... This is not a bait and switch. You don't have to come and pray with someone, but I certainly want you to be able to do that. We believe in the power of partnership and prayer. But Lord, I pray right now for everyone who raised their hand, God, before we go. Lord, that you would meet us where we are. The challenges that we face. Lord, in the temptation to take on a a victim mentality. But today, I just declare this over them. (laughs) No, no, no. I declare that over us. Over me over all and each of us, Lord, that we are, again, God, more than conquerors. And in that declaration, Lord, I hope what you hear from our hearts is that you are worthy. You are worthy. And Lord, though we face real challenges and our hearts do get heavy, I pray, God, that that heaviness would be broken off today and that we would walk in the light of your great grace. God, liberate right now Jesus do what your word says you do God bring peace not even as the world gives peace which means things have to be peaceful but rather God in the middle of problems and challenges right now come on church pray with me peace peace in Jesus' name heal our hearts and hold them God as we give them to you 
as we right give them to you. Yay, Jesus. In your name we pray. If you raised a hand and you would like prayer, and or if you need prayer for anything, there are people here who would love to pray with you. Otherwise, great to see you. Love you lots. See you again in a minute. (laughs) Or a couple of minutes. But until then, be blessed and be back next week. And go with God.